When a new federal conservative leader is elected on September 10th, will the party rally behind their new leader, or will it come out of the contest showing fractures? A moderate group of conservatives is looking to highlight some more mainstream policies during the campaign, but some within the party feel it's a shot at perceived frontrunner Pierre Poiliev. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post political reporter Catherine Levesque joins me to discuss why this group is organizing, what issues they're advancing, and what we can expect in the home stretch of the leadership contest. Don't forget, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Catherine, where are things at in the conservative leadership race? How far out are we from voting day, and how many contenders are left standing after Patrick Brown was disqualified? So right now we're in the get out the vote period. So it's going to be interesting, right? Because party members, and we know there are many, (laughs) nearly 675,000 of them, have either already received their ballots or will receive it shortly by the mail. So right now they have to vote for their preferred candidate. It's a preferential vote. So they can choose up to five candidates because uh, since uh, Patrick Brown was disqualified, Unfortunately for his supporters, I mean, they're you know if they if they do vote for him, that will not count. So the get out the vote period can take many forms. We've seen on social media certainly all candidates trying to appeal to their supporters, try to motivate them to vote for them on first place. But we we also see a lot more rallies right now, and I think we'll see them more and more in the coming weeks because the candidates have to motivate their base. Yes, they've, you know, they took their membership, they paid the $15, but now they have to actually make the effort and fill in the ballot. But it's not just that. They also have to photocopy their ID. And uh, God knows that not everyone has a photocopier at home. So one thing we might see in that kind of originals is kind of photocopying parties. (laughs) So in addition to having rallies, we'll also have a bunch of photocopiers in the room and people will be able to fill in their ballots they won't have an excuse to say they won't have a photocopying machine. So that's kind of where we are right now. And of course, that will culminate at the beginning of September, of September 10th in Ottawa, where we will learn who the new leader is. In the wake of Patrick Brown's ouster, has the race really centered around Pierre Poiliev and Jean Charest, or is it really the Mr. Poiliev show or any dark horse candidates in the mix still? I would say until this week, it was mostly the uh, Pierre Polyev show because, look, he is clearly the front runner. His team is convinced that they will win on the first round. So we've seen other candidates trying to, you know, gather some attention, but also try to appeal to Patrick Brown voters right now because, yes, he was disqualified, but he also claimed at the time that he gathered no less than 150,000 members. So that's a lot of people you you need to sway. And now the danger right now is that these people will be uh, unmotivated, basically, to go vote in the conservative leadership race. So we've seen Jean Charest certainly try to appeal to them, but also Leslie Lewis, who said that they don't need a white savior to save them, that, you know, she's, she's an immigrant woman. She knows their reality. And so she appealed to them. So mm-hmm. it's been interesting because certainly... Until now, again, the Pierre Poliev show, but we've seen all these other contenders trying to get some of the spotlight. And it's been working a little bit to an extent, but I guess the rest of the, the story will lay with the, the third debate that yeah. is supposed to be happening in the beginning of uh, August. So there's potentially still a chance for the likes of Scott Aitchison and Roman Baber to get some attention, but they're competing against a fairly bright light at this point. 
Yes, exactly. And it's very hard for them to try to compete for attention right now because it, it seems like a, a sealed deal almost. And they, their only hope is to try to convince voters to vote otherwise. But look, we're in the midst of summer. You know, people will make their choice. So they have very little time to try to sway voters at this point. Mm hmm. Now, there's been a lot of talk in the last few weeks about the direction of the Conservative Party. Tasha Carradine released a book called The Right Path. I talked to her on a previous episode of this podcast about it. And we had former Senator Marjorie LeBreton stepping down from the board in Pierre Poilievre's own writing, and she penned an op-ed about the need for Conservatives to get it right this time. What are their general concerns with the direction of the party? Like When they say direction, what are they referring to? I think they're concerned that basically the Conservative Party of Canada is going to go in one sort of extreme, that it's kind of looking a bit more like Maxine Bernier's party, basically. So that's the fear, certainly. I mean, Tasha Carradine, for sure, she's a Jean Charest's co-chair, national co-chair, but uh, she she also wrote a book, like you said, and I I think it was interesting because she had a lot of thoughts in in her book, put a lot of thought into it, but she also, there's a passage that kind of stood out, and I know it created a lot of uh, attention in Quebec media this week because she kind of referred to creating another party, a center-right party. So I think that's kind of where the discussion is right now. Certainly this week, there's been a lot of chatter about what are these moderate or center-right conservatives trying to do here? Are they, and and certainly what will happen to them if indeed Pierre Paul is elected, because to these so-called moderate conservatives, I mean, he's seen as a little bit too extreme for them. According to them, he doesn't follow the rule of law because he supported the the, the convoy. But also, all his talk about Bitcoin and you know basically firing the Bank of Canada governor, they're very concerned with that, and they're very concerned about the fact that we're touching institutions and that about all this populist talk. So they have concerns. I think they're voicing them right now, and uh, I think the the rest. Certainly, Marjorie LeBreton, I also spoke to her this week. Uh, Tasha Carradine, unfortunately, didn't have a a chance to talk to her directly this week. But uh, I think both share the concern about the unity of the party afterwards, but at the same time, also entertaining the fact that there might be another option out there should the party be not united if Kara Polyevin, again, is going to be elected. And both LeBreton and Carradine have ties to this group, uh, Center Ice Conservatives, I believe it's being set up by a former leadership candidate, Rick Peterson. They're having a conference in Edmonton in August. What is the purpose of this group? Is it to start talking about a new party or is it just to advance a certain agenda within the party like other groups, like social conservative groups try and do? Like, What are they hoping to do with this centerized conservatives group, especially as they talk about concern about unity within the party? It would seem that you know, starting another special interest group within the conservative movement could stoke disunity. Mm -hmm. I will admit it it was still a little bit fuzzy to me, especially when they started off, because indeed, I think their their sole purpose was to kind of channel the concern of the center-right conservatives and, and center conservatives. So trying to bring the leadership candidates to talk about more moderate issues, about, you know, common sense issues within the party, talk about the economy, the environment, and not try to go to what they call the extremes. So I think that was their sole purpose. Certainly, uh, you, you mentioned Rick Peterson. So he created it, I think it was in April. And at first, they were just trying to 
invite the different leadership candidates to talk about their ideas, to try to bring a more positive tone also. I remember they, they were doing these cute interviews, I'll say, with the candidates who wished to be interviewed by them to say positive things even about each candidate. So uh, yeah, I know Josh Ray went there. I think uh, Patrick Brown as well about HSN. I'm not sure about the others, I'll be honest. So they've been trying to influence the race, but the question is right now, what are they going to do? I know one of the theories out there is that they're indeed trying to be a group a bit like the social conservatives who are trying to organize within the party and trying to push a certain agenda and try to bring the party back to the center because they say that's where the party should be, that's where most Canadians are, and that's how conservatives will win the next election. However, what we're seeing is that it's it's not working so well for them because uh, I think Pierre Poiliev has stated publicly that he's not going to change. I mean, he's going to be very blunt. He's going to appeal to conservatives from all sides. And, uh, you know, he won't sway away from his opinions who, you know, <laughs> let, let's be honest, don't appeal to uh, maybe the, the more traditional conservatives out there. I know Marjorie LeBreton has been very critical the chair of centerized conservatives, Dominic Carty, has also, he's a New Brunswick minister, also been very critical of Pierre Poiliev and, and his leadership. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of questions out there. They have confirmed to me they're not looking to create a new party. Uh, but still, I think this conference out there raises a lot of questions as to what exactly will be coming out of there. And especially after the leadership race, what are they going to try to do exactly and how are they going to push the party more to the center? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned that Tasha Carradine involved with Jean Charest's campaign. Do they have any links to other leadership campaigns or is it just more about ideas? They say it's mostly about ideas, but the, the fact of the matter is that there are quite a lot of prominent members of centerized conservatives who are either very clearly and openly in Jean Charest's team I know at the conference, uh, Michelle Rempel-Garner will also be speaking, uh, Alberta MP. So she uh, she was national co-chair for Patrick Brown not so long ago. But, you know, I, I must say, I mean, there is still at least one member in centerized conservatives who is very clearly a Pierre Poilievre supporter, Brian Brulette. Uh, so he's a businessman here in Ottawa. Uh, he He's openly for Pierre Poilievre and he is in the group, but I know there has been criticism that this group, Centerized Conservatives, this organization, is anti-Pierre Poiliev. I know certainly one of the members who was on the advisory board, he quit because he thought it was too pro-Charest. So this group is fairly young, but there's already been a little bit of drama. That man who quit, he's Dino Mazzone, so he's a Quebec lawyer. He sent a letter saying he was quitting to the group barely two months after he joined it because he thought the group was taking a direction that, you know, he wasn't very comfortable with. And that very clearly indicated that they were against Pierre Polyev's candidacy. So centerized conservatives will deny that. But, uh, you know, there is something there. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they will react again if Pierre Polyev is elected as leader and what their role is going to be in the coming months. We'll be right back. I get that for some conservatives, Pierre Poilievre's support of the trucker convoy to Ottawa really rubbed them the wrong way. And his talk, as you mentioned, about firing the Bank of Canada governor and his push for cryptocurrency as a hedge against inflation, that they seem kind of out of step with where mainstream Canadians may be at. 
Mm-hmm. But looking at the policy that he's been advancing, is there anything that really kind of illustrates for centerized conservatives or for others that he is really like too far to the right? You know, he talks about housing affordability. He talks about trying to fight against inflation. Like, I mean, yes, he, he is pushing fairly populist ideals, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's far to the right. Like, what is it the moderates are so worried about with him? So I think it's his total rejection of institutions. I know that's something that came up. Certainly, and I think his talk about defunding the CDC, for instance, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned the Bank of Canada. All these things are, are kind of scary for, for these moderate conservatives, but, you know, are also red meat issues for a big chunk of the conservative base, obviously, because he, you know, he signed up so many members. So, when we look to policy, and you know, I've been covering Pierre Polyev for many months now and have looked at basically every one of his policies, it's not extremist at all. I mean, it's, it's fairly moderate. For instance, I mean, he's not against uh, supply management. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Scott Aitchison and Roman Baber have said that they would abolish that. Like, that's, that's a pretty big issue right there. And Pierre Polyev is siding with the dairy farmers. And so that in itself is pretty moderate. Like, he's not saying he's going to abolish that at all. You know, another issue is when he talks about immigration. I mean, he is not anti-immigration. Very far from that. I mean, his his own wife is issued from immigration, and he actually wants to make it easier for immigrants to have well-paying jobs. So when you look at the policy, I mean, frankly, it, it has been until now pretty moderate. I know it doesn't please everyone. For instance, I, I can talk about the jets that he wants to bring back at the Billy Bishop Airport in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Certainly that made a lot of waves in the past week. But still, I mean, I think he's talking, trying to talk mostly about the economy, about inflation, about issues that matter to people, about gas prices. So that's certainly something that's very appealing and not extremist at all. Yeah. Looking at centerized conservatives, is there concern among people within the party or people within the conservative movement that kind of creating another group that is active or is activist within the party will just create more friction and more division and potentially lead the conservative movement back down the road that it was on 30 years ago, where, you know, divided and having to deal with more liberal governments and having to kind of claw itself back and come together again. Are people expressing that kind of concern right now? I think it's maybe too early to say that because, again, we don't know exactly what centerized conservatives is trying to achieve here. I think, you know, they're they're having their conference next month. I think they want to, you know, present ideas. They want to discuss between themselves. But, again, like, what is the way forward? And I, I know Tasha Carradine in, in her book, and she, she tried to clarify that this week as well, is that she really hopes that the Conservative Party of Canada moving forward is going to stay united but I know for a fact that there is a lot of frustration and, you know, within some MPs who really aren't comfortable with Pierre Polyev possibly being their leader. So what are they going to do? Is it just a lot of talk right now or are they actually going to try to create a new party or, or are they going to step down and be independent MPs? So there are a lot of questions. We'll see what happens on the night of September 10th. Let's be honest. If Pierre Polyev wins on the first round, he has a huge majority. You know, maybe that will be enough to persuade the MPs who were maybe who were a little bit reluctant to him to maybe stay in the party. I think we'll see. It'll also depend on his attitude. I mean, you know, is he going to shun away Jean Charest supporters? 
you know, people I've talked to this week say that this wouldn't be the case necessarily. He's going to greet them with open arms. So I guess we'll, we'll see what the next few weeks after, if he is elected leader again, what will happen then. As for center-right conservatives, it's interesting because they have to bring it back to, to the center. They have to, you know, bring back these issues. But it's it's really, it's not clear what they're trying to achieve again. And I, I was talking to um, Melanie Parody this week, and she was, you know, saying, well, look, moderate conservatives have been the majority of the party for so long. They've become a little bit lazy now. And that means if they want to organize, well, they should be doing that. They should be electing and trying to persuade candidates who are moderates to join the party. And that's going to be uh, very difficult, considering that social conservatives have been doing, doing this for years and have been succeeding in doing so. I understand that there's some controversy around the possibility of a third leadership debate among the candidates. There had been an official English one that some people criticized heavily. They felt the format was strange. They didn't like the getting to know you questions. They didn't like the sound effects that moderator Tom Clark was using. I found the whole thing kind of refreshing because it didn't feel like the same nonsense that we tend to get with leadership debates. But Maybe I'm alone in that very small minority, but the party has decided to have a third official leadership debate, but it could be missing the front runner. What's going on with plans for that debate? So the party is a little bit in a difficult situation right now because they finally made a decision. I mean, it's uh, let's be honest, we're at the end of July. They are saying they're going to be having a debate early August. That's going to be a little bit difficult, I think, for everyone's schedules. However, they decided on that. And the party has the, the right, you know, it has said that it might hold a third debate. They finally made a decision backed by conservative members who answered a poll. So they made the decision. Now, Pierre Poliev has said, you know, in a scathing declaration that he would not be joining, that, you know, it's, it's too short notice. And frankly, that, you know, we had chances to, to hear from all candidates multiple times. So he, he's not going to be there. Now, he faces a fine of $50,000 from the party because, according to the rules, you have to participate. You don't have a choice. You have to participate. If not, well, the party will take some money from you. So is he willing to go down that road? Maybe. Maybe he has the funds to do that. But I think it's it's certainly a bad look for him because, look, you know, you, you want to be leader of the official opposition and you're backing away from a debate. I, I think that's not a good look. At the same time, I do understand that every candidate's schedules are extremely packed at the moment because of the get out the vote period, as I mentioned. So they already booked their tours. You know, they're touring Canada. They're going multiple places. And it's really a critical period for them. So I do also get the argument that I know Lesson Lewis has made the, the same argument that, look, it's it's going to be difficult for every candidate to try to take a step back and take the time to prepare for yet another debate. Jean Charest doesn't care because he loves debates. He's, <laughs> you know, he's always happy to, to do it. And it could be positive for him, you know, if he has a good debate against Pierre Poiliev. But it seems like, you know, Poliev's team is not wanting to let that happen. So I'm, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if the Conservative Party of Canada does indeed sign Pierre Poliev. And if they don't do that, well, certainly there's going to be a lot of criticism on the, the other candidate's part. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll watch to see how that all unfolds. Catherine, thanks for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you. 
Ten Three is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Catherine Levesque. More from her and more political coverage at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thank you.